This is a production of KMMedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... And welcome to Positive Talk Radio for a Wednesday afternoon. And I would like to uh, wish everybody, I hope everybody has uh, a great uh, uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving weekend and can take all four days and just kind of enjoy turkey and then turkey sandwiches and turkey and 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 cranberry sandwiches and all of that stuff for the rest of the time and stuff. It's it's. Um, it's one of those wonderful times where family can get together and everybody can have a really good time. Even, uh, even if you are not, um, uh, you know, politically correct and stuff like that, I would just stay away from divisive topics today. But first I got to talk to Eric. How's my friend, Eric, how's Thanksgiving looking? Are we going to lose power? Happy Wednesday, Kevin, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, I guess I, I should say. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be very nice for the next few days. A little bit chilly with uh, highs in the uh, upper 40s, but uh, lows in the 30s. Um, but, yeah, it looks like it's going to be, you know, partly cloudy, partly sunny the next several days. So it should be nice for everybody that's uh, traveling and everybody that's staying home. Exactly. And I hope everybody has a good time. By the way, have we had somebody show up? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's all well and good because I've got some stuff that I would like to talk about today. First of one, which is um, I'm a little bit older than you, young man. And so I distinctly remember I, Mrs. Nelson was our first grade teacher um, way back when. And the principal, Mr. Camperath, walked in and uh, whispered in the teacher's ear. This was about, I'm guessing, probably about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And um, she turned white. And um, Mr. Camperath left because he had more classes to inform. And she said, boys and girls, um, something terrible has happened in our country. And um, our president has been hurt and i would like us to um, all pray for him and pray for his well-being and so we did that i remember distinctly um doing that and then news came um this this was before it was generally known that uh, that um, president kennedy had been assassinated at that time he was just wounded um and then they discovered that uh um Walt Cronkite came on the air and he said at 1.06 p.m. Uh, President Kennedy was pronounced dead. And that's a terrible impression of, of Walter Cronkite. But uh, I just wanted to, to say, um, first of all, Eric, I know you guys covered it in the previous hour. And I just thought that I would just uh, touch because base. It, was, it, it was 60 years ago. Uh, that, 60 uh, years ago. Today. Yeah. That uh, the president uh, was assassinated. And for those of you, um, and I don't know what you guys talked about in the last hour because I was doing a podcast, but for those of you that were not around, and, and sadly, that's most of us, uh, right. we're not here. I wasn't around, but yeah, it, and it definitely not... made a, a huge impact on our culture. As I was saying 
uh, on Voices of Experience, uh, there's three new documentaries uh, about the assassination and about Kennedy. And it's, uh, you know, you would think after 60 years, every little detail would have been squeezed out of this story. Uh, but the, apparently there's still more revelations. Um, you know, this uh, the newest one that I saw a promo for is what the ER doctors saw uh, on the day. So that that could be interesting. Uh, yeah, but, you know, if you look at the, what is it, the Magruder film, Magruder film? And if you look at, if you look at the uh, impact uh, on his head, that that wasn't very pretty. That was. Oh, no, of course not. Yeah. So it was, I, you know, I like to think in terms of him as, as being, he was young. He had a family. He had a beautiful wife, Jackie. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he really was, that was the last time Eric, and you know, it kind of bears some repeating today because yes, we had some times during, um, during Obama's presidency, we had sometimes during, um, uh, sometimes during other presidency, but that's the last time that I remember. Um, and being a little kid, I was surprised that I would still remember these things. But the, he was—he really instilled a sense of hope for all of us for the for you for the future, uh, going to the moon, doing all the things that we did, and and uh, I think that it that. It's a 60 year anniversary, and I don't think that we as a as a people and as media uh, cover it nearly enough as how how big of an impact that had on the future of America and everything that we've been through since then, including the late 60s and the Vietnam War and all of that stuff. So so I just want to wanted to take a moment and just say um, I want to thank uh, um John Kennedy and his family for their service. And of course, Bobby Kennedy, who was killed in 68. And, uh, it's, it was a, uh, it was a horrific time for, for us. And, and, uh, I just wanted to make that clear to everybody. And, um, um, Eric has, has, uh, Bob Gonzalez happened to wander into the room today. Hello. <laughs> uh, apparently not and, or he is in there in the process of getting that together um and uh so um eric has is off doing something and so you know uh, from the standpoint of um of what we're doing here at positive talk in in positive talk radio in addition to everything else that we're doing um and if our guest for whatever reason hasn't been able to make it into the studio what i would like to do is to highlight uh something that we are doing which is we've actually done a video pilot in conjunction with anaturaldesign.com and it is a um, show that we are going to be uh, doing a grand premiere of on the 10th and on the uh uh on the 17th and there's eric have we had a uh yeah, I, i'm i'm talking to bob on the phone so trying to get him uh hooked up with the link um to join us today so uh, did you want to take a commercial break real quick while we do that well you know can we do this can we play the uh wellness blooms uh promo you bet you bet 
And this is something that we uh, that we're very very proud of. And Eric is going to play the promo for it right now. Correct. Welcome to Wellness Blooms by NaturalDesign.com, where we deep dive into a product or process related to your wellness and how flowers can make it happen in your everyday life. The gifts I want to share with you are the Zen feelings of a walk in a forest trail or on a mountain with the wind blowing through the leaves on the trees, sitting in a beautiful arboretum greenhouse with a water fountain and birds. My name is Holly Berry and I'm the creative director at anaturaldesign.com. I'll be your sagely guide taking you all the way from the flower, through the process, and then to the party. We'll be connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. What will you see and learn by hanging out with us for Wellness Blooms episodes? Floral Fusion for Spawn Wellness-Related Topics. This episode will teach you how to make your own anti-anxiety tea, and then we'll throw you a tea party decorated with flowers. To get started, we'll learn about the flowers and plants that go into your tea recipe. Let's go meet some of the experts from Bastyr University. And then we continue with, uh, I know this is hard to believe, but her name is actually Dr. Daisy, and she's at Bestier University, and we put together a anxiety tea to help uh, regulate that, and it's all natural, and it all comes from your garden, and uh, you can go right now to, um, to uh, um, well, you can... <laughs> Wellness, well, the Wellness Blooms is the episode, and it is on Bloom TV Network. That's what I'm trying to say, and uh, and you can go there, and it's and you can sign up for them. They've got lots and lots of different things there, and we're also going to have a uh, um, a a grand premiere of the episode and you can get a hold of that and be part of that by going to kevin at kmmedia.pro and we'll send you the invitation to go do that and it's all about nature it's all about uh wonderful things that we can do with the plants around us and the guest that we have today his name is bob gonzalez and we're going to talk about nature of a different sort of a different kind and that is um 
what it's like to be a fisherman in the Gulf of Mexico. And he's written a book called A Flicker in the Water. And uh, we spent the last hour talking on KM Media or on uh, PositiveTalkRadio.net. And you can always go there and listen to that episode and then listen to this episode as well. You know, and um, Bob, I owe you an apology. I'd like to think that I'm just perfect as can be, but apparently I'm not because I sent you the information, but I didn't send you the link uh, on how to get here. And so I apologize, And uh, but welcome to the show. How are you? I heard that. <laughs> So sometimes, you know, you'd like to think that you're just good. We're all here and that's all that matters. Exactly. Exactly. So, so uh, first of all, welcome to the show and let's talk a little bit about your book, which is a flicker in the water. How did you come to write the book? Well, um, I had a bunch of years of fishing, 15 years or so. Uh, well, actually even longer than that. If you count my, my really, really young days back in New Jersey, (laughs) there's a few stories in there of that. But I had uh, about 15 years fishing here in the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, I stopped fishing uh, for a while. I wasn't fishing as much as I had been, so I thought, you know what? Let me uh, let me feel like I'm still back out on the water. I have a bunch of stories here people might enjoy, maybe learn and get a few laughs from. And uh, so I wrote the book, and I had a great time doing it. It made me feel like I was fishing all over again. Well, and I will tell you the Marielle Hemingway, and if that name rings a bell, it should. Uh, Marielle Hemingway wrote the foreword, and uh, there are two reasons why you should remember her. First of all, she's an actress and a movie star in her own right, and also an author and a podcaster. And she's also the granddaughter of a guy by the name of, you may have heard of him, Ernest Hemingway, um, he, he, of course, everybody's heard of Ernest Hemingway. So she wrote the foreword for it, and it's it's um, the book is is doing really quite well, and it's it's about different experiences that he had while he was in the Gulf of Mexico, um, catching all kinds of different fish and the experiences that he had. Um, the one of which was um, the name of the book is is named after one of the fish that we're not going to tell whether it got caught or not, but uh, tell us the story behind that fish expedition. Well, yeah. Um, after traveling about eight hours, we got to uh, the offshore oil, oil rigs in Louisiana where um, at certain times of the, year, of the year, they hold a lot of tuna and we got there and this happened to be one of those times, man, <laughs> there were tunas all over these rigs and uh, they do that for several reasons. Number one, is the light from the platforms. The fish are attracted to the light. And um, they're also attracted to the protection and the warmth that, that the rigs provide for them. So uh, there were a lot of fish here that day. and uh, But it doesn't mean as soon as we got there, we didn't start getting bites right away. It took us about another six or seven hours before uh, we suddenly, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, heard this big The line started going crazy, this big tuna. Uh, started taking the line and um, the battle was on, baby. And <laughs> we fought that thing for several hours. Um, uh, we almost got spooled. Spooled meaning when you're going to run out of line and all you've got left holding is the, the rod in your hands. And uh, he took almost all the lines. So we attached another rod to this uh, original one, threw that one in the water. And again, still, and he almost took all the line on the second one. And uh, so finally it stopped, and uh, I thought, okay, well, now the battle is on. Let's bring this baby in. And um, we uh, we 
fought him for about another hour. Then we could see the first rod that we had thrown in the water coming back to us. And we got that one. And then as we were reeling in this fish, all the colors and the waves and the the reflection in the water made me think, and not immediately, but many years later, when I thought about writing the book, I was picturing fighting that fish. And I thought, you know what? A flicker in the water. And that would be a great title for a book. And um, and that's how I came up with that title. And you got to read it to know how it, how it turned out. Uh, then there's a great uh, segue from from the, the the name of the book, and you can go to his website, which is Flicker in the Water, surprisingly enough, flickerinthewater.com, and you can find out all about him and his work. He's actually had quite a quite an interesting life. He he is um, he was a former baseball player in college. He opened up. He's an entrepreneur. He's an author. He opened up his own uh, pretzel shop that is still there to this day. Uh, doing quite well, and and so he's he's been around doing a lot of stuff. So uh, it's it's great to have you here, and and the book. And I asked you in the in the previous hour, but I'll ask you again because they weren't there for that. And that is, uh, is this a compilation of of independent stories, or is it all kind of tied together? These are all independent stories, but I, I tie them in together, kind of like uh, you would create a puzzle. One piece fits to the other piece, and they grow on each other, and it's one big puzzle there at the end. Oh, that's cool. That's it's that. So you you want, read one chapter, which leads you to the next chapter, and so forth and so on. Right. So, what was your favorite? Do you have a because you've been doing this a while? Um, do you have a favorite story of that didn't make it in the book or? <laughs> um, that, that you can tell on, on AM radio. Well, yeah, all right, yeah. There's one story that didn't make it in the book. Uh, maybe I'll have to write that one in the future. Um, uh, we were around a shrimp boat after the shrimp boats, they shrimp at night, they put their nets in the water and during the day they lift them out of the water. Cause, uh, I guess the shrimps come up at night and they're attracted to the light of the ship and, uh, they get caught in the nets. But during the day, all the residue falls through the nets and when we woke up the next morning, there were fish all over the place around this shrimp boat. It was like a smorgasbord of fish in the Gulf of Mexico. So <laughs> it was around noon. It was really hot. It was like 90-some degrees. And we got a, a big bite on this thing. We thought it was a big tuna, maybe a marlin or something. So we battled this thing in the uh, the Florida sun for like two hours. Uh, buckets of water were being thrown on our head to keep cool. <laughs> and uh, as it was coming in... I remember I was the, the the chair guy. I was guiding the guy in the fighting chair. And uh, he turns to me and he said, it's a shark. And we were a, a little bit disappointed, actually, thinking it was a giant tuna. But it turned out to be a bull shark. And um, those bull sharks, if, if they're very mean. And this one was this one was really mean. He was angry. <laughs> we just probably ruined his lunch because we he, he took two hours fighting us when he could have been eating some of those fish in the water. Now, bull sharks are actually uh, uh, man eaters, or have been known to to chomp on human beings, haven't they? Well, yeah, they can. They're very aggressive. They're very uh, they're very persistent. They're maybe that's why they're called bull sharks because they're they're like bulls, you know. And uh, they actually they're one of the few sharks, if not the only shark, that can be found in freshwater. They've been known to travel up rivers fifty or sixty miles. So they're not just limited to the salt water. They, they can be in the fresh water, too, and they can be very dangerous, yeah. 
Oh, lovely. I've actually right, seen know, bull sharks. I've actually seen bull sharks uh, try to munch on the propellers on a boat, the propeller that's spinning in the water. The bull shark's actually trying to take a bite out of that. I've seen that happen. And, and that can't end up good for the bull shark. No, I mean, they'll lose their teeth, but the thing is, though, they'll grow them back right away. The sharks are hardy, man. They, they Nature has made them to survive. They've been around forever, and they'll lose a tooth, but they'll grow it back in a week. I wish I had that capability. I know. Me too. <laughs> But the, the, I guess that that's just what has, just the way it goes. And by the way, we're talking with Bob Gonzalez. He's written the book Flicker in the Water. I highly suggest you go to that website, flickerinthewater.com, and buy the book from him. And uh, um, he'll ship it to you and all that kind of good stuff. And it's he's got some great reviews from it, and uh, including Muriel Hemingway. And uh, it's uh, it's if you are interested in nature, if you want to paint, paint a picture of what it's like, if you're from the Northwest like I am, you've been here your whole life. I, I can't imagine taking a boat and going to where the uh, uh, oil rig platforms are in the Gulf of Mexico and the water's warm mm -hmm. and you can go diving in it, but you don't want to because you don't know what's going to be down there that's going to eat you and stuff like that so it's an interesting it's an interesting dilemma to be in a different place like that um so i admire i admire you for doing that oh it's a lot of fun i mean you know as long as you take precautions and you watch the weather reports and know what you're doing and uh you know it'd be safe out there it can be the best thing and the greatest experience in your life it's it's i wouldn't trade it for anything i love it it's fun it's it's very rewarding too. And it's not all about the catching the fish, like you've been saying. You know, there's a connection to nature when you're out there. Uh, it's just you and the water and the sky above, you know, and you feel more connected to your creator and you feel like you're at one with, with nature. You know, that's, that's tremendous. Now, did you ever have a time when, for whatever reason, you ended up spending the night out on the water? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did that by design a couple of times. We would go and uh, we'd spend the night out there. And usually on those overnight trips, you, they're usually pretty good because, you know, you're out there more and um, you don't have to spend the time traveling as much. But uh, usually I do tell a few stories about overnight trips we had. We caught a swordfish one time on an overnight trip, 450 pounds. That was a... Holy mackerel. Yeah, that was a, this one bought a bit around 2 a.m. And... Uh, the swordfish, swordfish steaks are great too. I love to eat swordfish. They're one of my favorite ones. Them and the wahoos. The wahoos are great too, but swordfish have a really thick skin and a real like thick, strong body. They're very, very strong. The marlins, which are also a billfish, are more like sleek. The swordfish are like, they're, the swordfish are built like linebackers. The marlins are more like, uh, you know, safeties, but big safeties or cornerbacks. But the, uh, the swordfish is like a linebacker. You wouldn't want to get hit with one of those. So, like, I'm familiar with, like, halibut versus cod. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the texture of the meat is quite a bit different. Is it that way with, because with, you, you were saying swordfish um, steaks, I imagine that their, their, their meat is dense enough that yeah. it's more like eating a steak than it is uh, like having fish and chips. Right, right. The, it's like a steak. That's exactly right. It's very dense. 
Uh, you chew on it like you would a steak. Uh, some of the other fish, like cod, I think that you mentioned, they uh, fall apart easier. Although I like cod, too. Cod is really good. But uh, the meat falls apart a lot more than it does on a swordfish. Yeah, it's it's completely different. And we don't have swordfish up here, I, at least as far as I know. We may. I, I don't get to go out on the ocean all that much. No, they're a warm water fish. Ah, <laughs> I think they're more not... for in the south in the warm water. They've gone around the equator. You know, and some things I learned in the first hour that I did not know that, that that maybe our audience doesn't know in general knowledge. As an example, I you know we have a couple of pods of of uh, killer whales in Puget Sound, and that's the, a pod is like a family of them, and we've got a couple that they monitor and they watch. I didn't realize that they are all over the world in warm water and in cold water. Yeah, they're all over the place. You can find them in any ocean. The, you can find them in the Pacific, the Atlantic, I mean, the Indian Ocean. They're everywhere. I think they're one of the few, if not the only mammal, that 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 is like that. They can be in cold water, hot water. They're, they're all over. <laughs> and and they don't necessarily migrate like like I know gray whales and, and others. They, they'll migrate from the south to the north following the feeding trail, and then they mm-hmm. go north to... Uh, to mate and that kind of thing, and then they come south and follow the trails. Do um, um, killer whales do that, or are they more territorial? I think they're more territorial. Uh, they'll move around, but I don't think they do it to migrate. They do it because they feel like it. <laughs> and, and who's going to tell a killer whale, no, you yeah. can't go then? Yeah. <laughs> they go anywhere they yeah. want to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing that, that uh, we learned uh, in the last hour that that um, for those of you that are a little older and before you came on, we were talking about today is the 60th anniversary of uh, John Kennedy's assassination. Mm-hmm. And we were mentioning that and stuff. One of, one of the things that you and I talked about in the last hour was there was a television show in the 60s and early 70s called Flipper. And Flipper yeah. was a dolphin and he was the family pet more or less and stuff. And, and I asked you if, if it's true that dolphins could protect people from sharks and that, and that they could actually um, come up and butt them on, on, and on the side and they, they don't like that very well. So they leave and you, you verified that for me, didn't you? Oh yeah, that's true. Dolphins, uh, they're faster, they're more agile and smarter than sharks, uh, and they usually are in groups. So a group of uh, dolphins is going to outwit uh, and outlast a shark any day. Um, sharks are more by instinct, than I think the dolphins are more brainy, although they have instincts too, but they're sharks, uh, sharks are 100% or 99% instinct. Dolphins use a lot of brain power. They're very smart. They're like I said, they're very agile. They can move around faster and quicker and get around the shark, especially in groups. And they they've been known to protect people, like a surfer or somebody who's uh on a board. The dolphins have been known to uh, push them away from sharks and keep the sharks away from them. That that I've always liked dolphins. <laughs> I've never never had the opportunity to meet one up close, but but I have when I, we were in Hawaii. Um, and we were in a, a boat that was going, I guess, about 30 or 20 miles or 30 miles an hour and was putting up a, a pretty good size wake. And they loved 
They, they, we had a whole pack of dolphins that were just d- catching up to us and diving into the wake. And for them, it's like a Ferris wheel or something, isn't it? Oh, yeah. They're very playful. They, they love that. The wake uh, is just like, a, a, like you say, a Ferris wheel. It's like, uh, let's have some fun in the water. <laughs> they, they'll jump up and they'll do spins and stuff and then they'll come back down. Yeah, to them, it's all fun. Well, and I wonder if they know that they are entertaining people and are doing it uh, for, for the entertainment value that they're giving the people. I, I've often, often wondered that. What do you think? You know, I think they probably like to show off, and maybe they do know something's up when they see people, ooh, yeah, and gawking at them. Uh, maybe they say, oh, look, here, here's what I can do. And uh, they jump out of the water. Sometimes they'll even make a sound for you, like a, ah, 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 you know, sound that they make. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing so to bet. they're definitely sense. having fun with you. I'm I'm willing to bet that since they're pretty sure because they've never never seen one without the other that if they see a boat that there's also going to be people on the boat. I doubt they've been um, had very many boats that nobody's on. Um, you know, so so yeah. I, I'll, I would not be a bit surprised. If, and then if you, they're look, some people will actually even feed them as they're doing that kind of stuff. So maybe they're looking for a treat too. I was going to say, yeah, that's probably the main thing. They're <laughs> looking for a treat. Yeah. Although they do say that um, it's better probably not to feed them because it makes them dependent on those treats. So it, it and it makes them uh, lose their skills to, uh, to gather on their own. But um, yeah, it's about, yeah, you're probably right. They're probably looking for a treat. You know, the, the um, best, the best intentions have got unintended unintended consequences sometimes and that can be one of those it's like you feed them and they get dependent upon that food and then you go away and they and they aren't as adept as a hunter as they should be yeah yeah Yeah, so yeah by the way we're talking with bob gonzalez we need to take a break real quick and when we come back from this break we're going to talk more about Bob Gonzalez and his adventures on the water with his book, The Flicker in Water. And go to his website, theflickerinwater.com. You're, again, listening to Positive Talk Radio and don't often get to talk about fish stories much. I'm looking forward to the rest of the show. So I hope you'll stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you to our dedicated fans. We are updating our live on-air schedule to make it super easy for you to hang out with us five days a week, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We broadcast on YouTube, Facebook, and live on Fridays with Kixie 880 AM Seattle Live. You can find our library to binge all the podcast platforms. We can't wait to see you at 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, starting September 4th, Labor Day 2023. Hello, everybody. If I could have your attention, please, I have an important announcement to make just for you. As you may know, PTR is heard and seen on radio, KKNW, and now Kixie, several websites, podcasts, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and most social media. At PTR, we believe in working together to make the world a better place, and because you're listening, we know that you're dedicated to the same. So we'd like to support your efforts by offering an outstanding multimedia package for you at a deeply discounted rate. As our partner, 
you'll receive commercial creation, both video and audio, at least 10 commercial plays per week, a monthly show to highlight your business and passion, exclusive website positioning with links, video shorts for social media, commercial plays on all shows, podcasts, KKNW, and Kixie. Your commercial is embedded into each episode and as a podcast is sent to over 50 different platforms. All shows are performed live and sent to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter and stay there forever. Your podcast episodes are provided to you to use as you see fit. This one-time offer is only $250 a week based on a 13-week commitment. And as our partner, we are vested in your success and will do everything in our power to make it happen. However, there are limited spots available, so don't hesitate. Please email me at kevin at kmmedia.pro, and let's get the ball rolling. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey there, I would personally like to thank you for making Positive Talk Radio part of your day. Whether you like podcasts or the radio show, we're glad to have you along. I'd love to hear from you with thoughts about the show and ways that we can make it even better. You are the reason we do these shows because the more people we can touch, the better we can make the planet and our time here just magnificent. Please contact me, Kevin, at kmmedia.pro with any thoughts, comments, or suggestions. And thank you for being in my dream. And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio here on KKNW 1150 AM. A couple of notes I want to give you. Number one, I want to let you know that we are going to be here on Friday, uh, even though the uh, um, a lot of folks are not going to be working on Friday. We at Positive Talk always work. And a matter of fact, we will be working tomorrow as well because I'm just that kind of got nothing else to do. So anyway, and also if you are a sponsor, then it's looking for a good ROI, which is return on investment. We are a great place for you to come and hang out with because not only do you get to be on the show that goes worldwide, um, you get commercials, you get all kinds of different stuff to promote your brand and to help us all grow together. And, um, I hope you'll I hope you'll take advantage of that. Go to Kevin at KMmedia.pro. Our guest this hour is Bob Gonzalez. He's written the book A Flicker in the Water. He is by trade a fisherman. Well, actually, I guess that's not true. By trade, he's a restaurateur and he's got a uh, um a uh, pretzel shop. Uh, where by the way, where is your pretzel shop if somebody wants to come in and and partake? Well, uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida, which is uh, halfway between Panama City and Pensacola. And, and uh, you've been how long have you been doing the pretzel thing? It's going on 30 years. Uh, this June will be 30 years. 
You know what that means? Bob? I didn't think I looked that old. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know what it means when um, I don't know if anybody knows the statistics, but um, the statistics for restaurants the survivability is three to five years. Most restaurants yeah. are are come and they go and they and to survive in an environment and even through COVID and all of that and to still be here, you should be very proud of yourself. Well, thank you. Uh, it's been a lot of hard work and uh, and I'm glad we're still here and I appreciate you saying that. Thank you, Kevin. Well, it's, I've been in the restaurant business. I was in the restaurant business for a long time, over 20 years. And all the restaurants that I was associated with are no longer in business. And it, wow. honestly, it wasn't it wasn't me. It was it was that uh, uh, times change and tastes mm-hmm. change and people change mm-hmm. and and stuff. So being able to do what you're doing for 30 years, you are godlike. I have to tell you. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. And not only are you a, a pretzel maker of note, and you've got a shop in Fort, Fort Lauderdale, is that right? Fort Walton. Fort Walton. Fort okay. Walton Beach. And also, it's right there on the beach, and so you get to, anyway. So not only are you doing that, you're also an author. You wrote a book of poetry, and your second book, A Flicker on the Water, which has been, um, the forward is by Mariel Hemingway. And um, who's the granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway, who wrote, uh, the, you mentioned the book, uh, the, the Old Man in the Sea. Is that the name of the book? Yeah. The Old Man in the Sea. Yeah. It won the Nobel Prize for Ernest back in 1953. Yeah. So for, for Marielle, who is also an actress of note and also an author and a podcaster and stuff, for her to write your foreword, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I still sometimes I can't believe it, you know, that uh, I'm on the same book with Mer- with the Hemingway. Um, Old Man in the Sea and Hemingway is close to us because um, my dad grew up in Cuba where Old Man in the Sea was written. Um, most people think it might have been written in Key West or somewhere else, but actually when Ernest was living in Havana, it was when he wrote The Old Man in the Sea in the early 50s. And uh, Mariel actually took her name from the port where they, her, her Ernest and his son, her father used to fish from called Mariel. So that's where she got her first name was in Cuba from the port of Mariel. So, um, yeah, my dad was a kid down in, uh, in Santiago, which is on the other end of the island, but actually is the name of the character in the book, the old man fisherman, his name is Santiago. So uh, when I wrote the book, I, I thought, um, let me contact Mariel and see what she thinks of it and see if she might like it. And, uh, Luckily, she did. She said it spoke to her with a great deal of appreciation, and uh, that meant a lot to me. You know, it's interesting because he was in Cuba before Cuba was taken over by Castro and the communists and so forth. Did he did he spend time after the revolution, or was he able to get out before? I think he got out, um, and he never went back, and I think he loved it there, and I think that kind of led to... Um, a downward spiral for him, you know. Um, I don't think he was ever happy not being in Cuba. I think that was the place where he really wanted to be. It's unfortunate that 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 happened, and you know we're looking at it now. It's like seventy years later, and I keep hoping that um, 
that Cuba will have a change of heart and that they're, they will go back to being the way they were. Because at one time, it was a great big tourist destination for yeah. folks all along, up and down the East Coast. And, and it was, it was, they had casinos there and they had, it was, it was a great deal of fun from what I've heard. Yeah, it was a happening place. That's for sure. They, um, they had one of the most thriving economies in this hemisphere, you know, after the U.S., Cuba was on par with any country. And uh, they had tourism. They had, you know, casinos, like you say, nightclubs, you know. Um, Desi Arnaz came from Cuba, you know, from I Love Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> they, they gave us some TV shows, you know. So, yeah, they were thriving. And then, you know, I've been waiting for that change too, man, for 70 years, you know. And uh, it still hasn't happened. <laughs> well, if you go there today, unfortunately, you'll still see cars that were being driven back then that they yeah. had to keep up because they because of the embargoes and and those sorts of things. So I I really hope that that they will their their leadership or the people will decide that that's not working for them and they want to join the twenty first century. Eventually, you would think so. Yeah. So, but uh, congratulations. Now, your dad, where did he settle? Did he end up settling up in Pennsylvania with you? He came to school um, in Virginia, and then he met my mom in New York City. And um, then when I was I was born in New York, and then we lived in New Jersey for a short time, and then um, we moved to Pennsylvania when I, I was about nine years old, and I stayed here. In, I stayed in Pennsylvania till my early 20s, and then I came to Florida. And I know that you've been a fisherman all your life and your family did it up in uh, Pennsylvania and you'd go to the ocean and that sort of thing. And, and what, what was it about fishing? Was it the, the, the entire thing? Because I was able to go to a, um, a uh, charter fishing boat with a bunch of guys and we went out onto the ocean and I have to tell you, the water was calm. There were, um whales off in the distance there were birds there was the the air smelled great it's mm -hmm. it really is i invite everybody whether you go fishing out there or not just take some time and and rent a boat to go into the ocean um it it really is a unique experience it gives you a sense of of how how small and insignificant we are when there's something that is so vast. And I wanted to ask you, I mentioned, had you done any overnight uh, um, fishing in the Gulf? And you said, yes. What are the skies like when there is no light except for the stars? That must be just sensational to look at. It is. It's a, it's a thrill. I mean, you're so connected to nature and you, you feel like, I don't know, you feel like heaven is only like a, a little short way away, you know. It's just incredible. You just feel so at one with nature, and that's if you're not fishing. Now, what the fishing provides for me is an incredible adrenaline rush <laughs> when I see that rod bend. I mean, that's amazing. But um, as far as the nature part of it goes, uh, there's nothing like it. There's a feeling that you get at sea, like you were saying, that you just can't get on land. You feel so insignificant when you're in something so vast, you know, it's just amazing. It really does give you a sense of scale as to, as to who we are and, and uh, how insignificant yeah. the individual yeah. one of us is. 
and even even though as co- collective as as humanity we are pretty immense and i would love for, for humanity to work together and and uh, to be a lot a lot closer to one another than we are today um and i know you live in florida and there's some unique things going on in florida these days um which i don't necessarily really want to get into but uh, it's it's interesting that but now you're in the uh, panhandle is that right I'm in the Panhandle. Yeah, that's along the northern Gulf Coast. And it is a little bit different there. You're closer to Tennessee and those places. Is that is that is that true? Yeah, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Louisiana, they're all only like an hour away. Well, not Tennessee, but Alabama and Louisiana and Georgia are only like an hour, an hour and a half away. Oh, uh, did you get out much in into that area? I haven't been I traveled for a living and, and I went to Louisiana quite a little bit, never got to Florida, never got to, got to Tennessee, but not Alabama. What's it like in, is the weather as it's humid and as hot there as we've been told? South Florida is definitely a lot hotter than anywhere else that you can go. <laughs> uh, the humidity in South Florida is just uh, different than it is even in the Southern states like Georgia or Tennessee or Alabama, uh, I think because of the Everglades, maybe all that the swampland and all the uh, the forests and stuff, it uh, leads to that that humidity that you don't get anywhere else. Um, in the winter time, especially, there's a big difference between northern Florida where I am and southern Florida. Sometimes the difference could be twenty degrees. Oh wow! Oh wow! And yeah. and the, 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 the nice thing about where you are is, in order for you to find alligators and snakes and stuff like that you have to travel a little bit to go south don't you well you have them here not as much they're more in the south but they're in the south they're all over the place that they're everywhere (laughs) and they're in the canals in the ponds the golf courses you know little you know if you ever on a golf course that you know and you shank one in the water don't go in and get your ball (laughs) (laughs) interesting story i was um in Louisiana. And, uh, I had to stay the weekend because I was going to have a meeting with a, uh, a chicken guy on Monday. And so I stayed there over the weekend. And so I played golf and, uh, yeah. the golf course that we played was cut out of, uh, a kind of a jungle. This is the best way for me to describe it. it probably isn't they how they would do it but for me it was like cut out of the jungle and so you had a lot of vegetation along each fairway and you had uh swamp land and you had all this kind of stuff and so i shanked one i was playing with a couple of guys from louisiana some regular folks and uh, i shanked one into the woods now in seattle if you shank one into the woods you can go find your ball and you don't have to worry about anything. And so I was taking my little cart and I was headed towards this great big uh, um, jungle, if you will. It was off where my ball had landed. And I, and I was intent upon going to look for my ball. And one of the guys said to me, he said, you know, if I was you, I wouldn't go in there. There's stuff that's yeah. going to eat you if you go in there. Yeah. And so yeah. I pulled another ball out of my bag and forgot about that one. Yeah, for sure. He, <laughs> lose the, the, the swing, lose the stroke. It's worth it. <laughs> yeah, because you can lose your leg if you're not careful. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and the interesting thing is you won't know it until it's right upon you. Um, yeah, that's, that's right. That's, There's, you can't see them a lot of times. Just their little eyes stick out of the water. That's it. Yeah, so consequently, that's why I live in Washington State because we don't have any yeah. of that here. But, but you know, it's 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 it works for you because you're right there on uh, the uh, Gulf of Mexico, and and do you, now you you're not fishing as much as you did earlier in life. Is that true? No, I was fishing more before. Um, you know, the regulations on the fishing and the prices of fuel and things are just. They don't make it that cost effective like they used to. So I'm not fishing as much as I used to. Although I, I did go out a couple times like last week. I, uh, I was telling you before the one day was flat calm and um, you could have had a picnic out there or, or, you know, felt like you were by the, the pool. The next time I went, I, I felt like I was a piece of change in the washing machine, man, the way I was getting tossed around. It was unbelievable, but uh, <laughs> we caught a lot of fish that day. So in the end, it was worth it. Now, do you ever get seasick? I've been seasick. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it happens <laughs> to the best of us. <laughs> it never stopped yeah. me, though. You know, it's actually sometimes when you're seasick, you have your best days of fishing. And while you're fishing and you're focused on the fish, you forget about the seasickness. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. One time I was uh, on another charter boat. I was with my ex-wife and we were on the railing looking out and it was kind of, it was kind of uh, choppy and, and stuff. And, and, uh, the, the deckhand who's there always is a deckhand to help you bait your, your hook and, and to do all of that. He came up to her <laughs> standing right next to her with, you know, one of those hostess pies. He had a hostess lemon pie that he was starting to eat. And the next thing I knew, my wife was down in throwing up in the galley. Oh, uh, wow. And, and, and stuff. And so she got, she got seasick. And the, the deckhand was like, what, what, what? Uh, but it was, <laughs> it was like, these are, these are amateurs. You got to understand that we have tender tummies when we go out there and yeah. you never know when you're going to get sick. So it's it was really it was really was yeah it, it, um, I've been sick a lot of people lets that stop them from going back out but you know and, and another real quick funny story was that when I was a kid my dad liked to take us uh, charter fishing and uh, we the, the way it works when you charter fish is you go down spend the night before in a hotel at Westport and then you get up at like four o'clock in the morning and you go down have a have a quick breakfast of like cereal something that's going to be good for your stomach and stuff and then you uh, go uh, to the boat and and they do all the stuff that they do and then you go out into the water and uh, you spend like six or eight hours there well there was a group of three men and you'll appreciate this there was a group of three men who had been drinking the night before and then they decided mm -hmm. that to bring a, a fifth of bourbon, onto the boat and we're drinking as they, we were going out through the, uh, through the, uh, um, the calm waters of the jetty and that kind of stuff before we got to the ocean. And so they were drinking at like eight o'clock in the morning. They spent the entire, entire, the complete entire adventure on a buck bunk in the gal and underneath the galley because they were so sick. So the, 
the um, rule of thumb here is if, if you're going to go out into the water, don't drink. That's not good for you. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, 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 you, Captain, you've been breaking up. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but drinking is a definite. Go, go ahead. I think your, I think your, your feed is better. Go ahead. Uh, Me? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh oh. Yeah, yeah, the drinking is a death point out there. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, Bob, but uh, we're breaking up a little bit, so we, so we'll see if we can recover that. In the meantime, I'm going to tell you that we've been talking with Bob Gonzalez. He's written the book, uh, Flicker in the Water. Go to flickerinthewater.com. It's um, the forward is by Mariel Hemingway. It's a great book. It's in the in the vein of Man in the Sea that Ernest Hemingway did in the 50s. Um, I've really appreciated talking to you. This has been fun for me, and I hope you've had a good time, Bob. Can let's let's see if you're doing better now. Is your is your feet a little bit better now? Say say that one more time. Let me go on here real quick so we can say bye. Hold on. I'll try to get out from my phone. That one usually. Uh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you get on the phone, you may not be able to. Okay. Yeah, uh, how's that? If you get hey, on, it's magic. Yeah. You're all better. Yeah, okay. I can hear you great now. It's magic. Okay. <laughs> well, go ahead and turn that other feed off because you're getting feedback from the other one. Yeah, I, I'm trying to get it off here. But, um, okay, let me do that. Um, this is live radio, ladies and gentlemen. And so occasionally yeah. we get to have these little episodes where uh, where the technology doesn't work as well as we'd hoped it would. So he's he's working on that, but but that's that's okay, Bob, because we're going to run out of time anyway. But I wanted. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I wanted you to be able to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know. We got about a minute left. Okay. Well, um, I want everybody to have a happy Thanksgiving and a happy Christmas coming up. Um, I think if you get a flicker in the water, you'll enjoy being out on the Gulf of Mexico and knowing what it's like to be out there. And I think whether you're a sea person or not a sea person, it's a book you can enjoy. And it's good for any age, too. Kids can really enjoy it and learn a lot from it. So it's a book for all ages, and it's something that uh, that uh, everybody should buy and go to again, flickerinthewater.com, and buy it from Bob. He deserves to make a little bit of money from it. And so, oh. I <laughs> Bob, I appreciate you being here. And by the way, everybody, two things I want to make sure everybody does. One is have a awesome Thanksgiving weekend. And two, please be safe. Drive the speed limit. Hey, you'll get there. Don't worry. Even if you're a little late to grandma's house, you'll get there. So just take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Have a great family time. Enjoy it, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald. We'll be back on Friday at noon and then at three. I hope that you'll join us then if you got nothing else to do. And by the way, be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. We'll see you then. Bye.